When you're trying to get good at art, when you're trying to improve your craft and more importantly, do it quickly, one of the biggest questions that comes up is how much should you draw or practice or learn your craft each day? Is it a matter of more is better? Should you draw till your fingers bleed or is a more relaxed, holistic approach the one that you need to employ? That's what I want to dig into in this episode. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. We have the concepts of focus, multitasking, and how we actually learn and acquire new skills, especially in the drawing realm, which I think, uh, along with a lot of other arts and crafts, are essentially physical-based learning modalities. So we need to think about this specifically from the approach of how do we learn art? How does that happen quickly? How can we effectively sort of marshal our energy and get the most out of our time? Anyway, this should be a fun discussion. If you stick around to the end, I'll share with you some really, really simple tips and advice that will be based on the sort of talk that I'm going to do over the course of this episode. Anyway, let's jump in and get started. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name is Tim McBurney. I've been a professional working artist for over 20 years and I'm more or less self-taught. So I've had to really struggle with these specific ideas of how to get good fast and how to maximize that improvement for someone who is kind of learning on their own without someone cracking the whip. In this podcast, I'm all about demystifying the world of art and creativity and productivity so that you can get better, faster and actually enjoy your artistic journey. Now, if you're not aware of my work in general, you can check out my folio at timmcburney.com. There'll be a link in the description or show notes. I generally am a comic book artist and a sort of commercial entertainment design artist. So I've done, you know, a lot of concept design for film, video games. I draw comics. Uh, I write comics. So that's kind of the frame that I'm coming from. But a lot of these ideas are going to apply to really any type of art you want to create. Um, you know, traditional, digital, 3D, highly production uh, based or, or highly creative. I think a lot of these things are, are very sort of core. But keep in mind, again, that's where my sort of mind is coming at. That's where a lot of the examples I'll give you are going to be coming from. Again, more of a commercial artist and more in the entertainment design space. So there are a lot of different approaches out there that people tend to recommend. And I think we can sort of frame these ideas of, you know, what should you do? How much should you draw? How do you get better faster? How do you marshal your focus and energy? And on the one hand, there is the sort of draw 18 hours a day, 24 hours a day until your fingers bleed and just kind of grind, grind, grind. And that's the answer. Uh, on the other hand, I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, saying, hey, look, you know, that didn't work for me. What about burnout? Um, you know, you need to stay positive, etc., etc. And I think, uh, again, I both of those things have a lot of truth to them. And I think the answer that, you know, I sort of tend to have come up with over my years of mentoring students, seeing people go through this, seeing people burn out, seeing people draw 18 hours a day, seeing people take it easy, and then seeing what are the results of that, you know, one year, two year, three years later, five years later, 10 years later, who makes it, who doesn't make it? I think that what we need is a, obviously a more nuanced answer and frame to this question. So 
I think there's a lot of truth to all of these things. A lot of it really comes down to how you relate to these sort of emotions and, and how your physical being works, right? How much stress can you take? How much of that challenge do you like? How do you approach the feelings of sort of positive challenge, um, you know, energy, right? Someone saying you can't do this versus someone who, you know, you might be someone who much prefers to get a lot of positive reinforcement. There's a lot of nuance here. Most of it comes down to, you know, how do you feel? But let's try and unpack this idea a little bit more and uh, look at actually how learning something like drawing occurs. So when I was studying, I actually studied a course that was advertising and graphic design based because there were no good drawing schools or you know things that were going to teach me what I really needed to do. So because I wanted to be a commercial artist, I went for something that was not necessarily illustration based, although they had a small illustration component at that school, but was very much based on how to make money, right? How to run, you know, a professional sort of existence as an artist, as a, someone in advertising, marketing, graphic design, etc. And, you know, that's not really anything to do with art, but there was a real ethos there that was a hard work ethos. And I think a lot of colleges and schools and, you know, people that you see who have achieved a lot do have this kind of, um, you know, they're basically drawing a lot. They're doing a lot. And I remember hearing a lot of teachers kind of say, you know, oh, you know, I was working 20 hours a day and, you know, I was barely sleeping when I was starting my company and, you know, sort of oh, then it got better and, you know, then I got more clients and stuff. And I always remember, again, having this mixed emotion towards that idea of working 20 hours a day, right? It kind of seemed like absurd to me. And, um, you know, it seemed very harsh, right, that sort of reality. And I think that there is a sense of sort of people wanting to express to you as a new artist or someone, again, who's wanting to do this for a hobby that, you know, this takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. You're not just going to be able to sort of, you know, wing your way into being really good at any craft or art be it drawing, 3D sculpting, painting um, for video games, painting for yourself, right, uh, doing fan art, like whatever it is you want to do, typically these artistic skills are tricky to master. They take a lot of energy. And I think that's a big part of what is being communicated when people do kind of tell you like, ah, oh, hey, kid, you know, you've got to really grind, you know, you've got to do it more, more, yum. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's important to understand that, that the, the message there, I think, is true. The, the numerical values put on it maybe are a little bit overstated. And it's hard to know what people actually mean by that. And again, what I found, and we'll share a little bit of more of this uh, as we sort of progress. What I found is that, again, not everyone is actually working 18 hours a day, even though they say they are. And not everyone is doing that without, you know, significant, um, you know, drug use, right? Um, either amphetamines or um, some other sort of form of, uh, again, like maybe um, a lot of coffee, a lot of caffeine, um, you know, which again is a, just just a fact, right? It's just like, look, you know, you, you have to qualify um, who is the individual who's saying you need to grind for 18 hours a day? Are they happy? Do they have a good relationship? Uh, are they on Ritalin or speed, um, you know, or whatever? Um, you know, do they sleep well? Are they on like heaps of caffeine? 
Um, you know, I, I drink a fair amount of uh, coffee. Um, I, I tend to work fairly sort of, you know, long hours. I, I really like the work that I do. Um, I haven't always had that sort of approach. But again, try and frame that idea and, and be realistic about it. Who is giving that advice? Is that someone you want to be like? Um, and if so, again, that's probably good advice. If not, let's dig a little bit deeper. So I think we can unpack this idea from a little bit more of a scientific view or a philosophical view and consider that there's probably a couple of different types of learning that you're going to do. The first is the new learning. This is where you're really learning new skills. You're actually acquiring things that you, you know, your brain just hasn't done before. And I think that the second thing here that is often happening is you're doing reinforcement learning. So one is new learning, right? Completely new skill. And the second is a reinforcement of that skill. And they take different types of energy and different amounts of your sort of energy and focus and time. So when we're talking about new learning, this is really where you are learning a new skill, not sort of refining a skill. It's where you have literally no idea what is going on and you're trying to figure it out. Um, this would be similar to if you are learning perspective for the first time, or, you know, if you really have never used something like watercolor before, or you've never opened, um, a program like ZBrush, you've never picked up clay and it's completely new. You're sitting there in this environment. You're imagining the things you want to do. You've probably thought about how great it's going to be and that you're happy to be here, um, learning this. And uh, then you actually sort of start doing it. And it's a complete overwhelm of your entire nervous system, of your entire physiology. Um, you know, you're learning really new skills. And often it kind of feels like the first time you're learning to ride a bike or, you know, do some sort of primary physical skill. And this is very much where, you know, I talk about the idea of drawing um, and art in general. And generally, I refer to drawing and art interchangeably because that's where my mind is at when I think of drawing. But the idea of drawing being much more akin to a physical learning modality. So in my mind and what I sort of generally teach is that it is much more similar to dance, martial art or sport, and that we can employ sports um, science and sports uh, psychology and those kind of things much more effectively than we can employ other forms of uh, learning psychology. So that's kind of where I'm coming from it at, um, similar to if you're learning to do a new physical skill. Now, what you tend to find is this is kind of similar to if ever if you've ever been to a completely new place or a completely new country. If you go to a new country, just walking around is just a huge sap on your mental energy and you realize how many things of your everyday have been sublimated to your subconscious mind and automated by your, you know, sort of physical mind body self, right? You just kind of understand how the street signs work. You're used to picking up all the little cues. All the signs look um, the same in your hometown. You know where you are. You know who the people are. You can very quickly assess threats. You can very quickly assess and understand what's going on almost without, you know, doing it. 
The classic example here that's given is often if you learn to drive, you know, initially it's this giant sort of chaotic mess of you trying to figure out how not to die while you're, you know, hurtling through space at, uh, you know, some huge speed in this giant tin can. And your body is aware of the danger. It's aware of the threat. It's aware that every time you move the steering wheel, you might die terribly in a crash. And after a while, you, your body kind of learns that maybe that's not going to happen, that it's okay as long as you do these things, it's all going to work out fine. And you start to relax your guard to the point where people will kind of, you know, walk out the door of their house and then, you know, magically appear at their work and not really remember how they got there because the process has been so automated by your internal sort of learning systems that it just kind of happens. So that's a good example of one of these sort of physical based skills. Similar would be riding a bike, etc., etc. What's typically happening is we're taking a lot of conscious skills. We are letting our subconscious mind understand, ingest, um, process them. And then as we refine that process through the secondary learning systems, the reinforcement learning, the repetition, they sort of be, they become much, much, much more moved into the automated subconscious realm. And that's a big way of just saying that it's like riding a bike. When you're doing one of these skills, you just need, it's very sort of tricky in the beginning. It feels like you're awkward. And, um, you know, as you get better at it, it becomes easier and easier and easier to the point where it seems sort of, you know, just automatic. It seems easy. Now, it's important to understand what's happening there. Because, again, if you've ever been overseas and you've been to a new country, you notice that it's exhausting. Just a day in a new country is going to just completely fry your brain because you're constantly looking at new things. So that's, again, a way to talk about what happens when we're first learning something or if you're actually learning something new. If your brain is actually given this new task and you have no idea how to do it, but someone's kind of telling you how to do it and you're trying to sort of process and overcome this challenge, it is a massive drain on your entire being. Now, the reinforcement type of learning, the repetition is more where, as I said, you know, just before, it's where we sublimate those processes and start to figure out like, okay, a lot of stuff happened there. You can imagine again, you're in your new country. A lot of stuff is different. But you start to kind of realize like, oh, okay, this is just a street sign. It's a bit different, but it's kind of the same as all the other street signs I've seen. Oh, we're on the different. We're on the opposite side of the road. So, like, okay, once your brain kind of figures that out, it, it kind of will relax, right? Um, it's no longer very stressful when you see someone driving on the wrong side of the road, right? In a, in another country, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All these things are, are going to be um, again sublimated, and it's the same with drawing or any physical skill. What you're doing is kind of figuring out which are the really important things that you need to repeat that tend to get repeated as you do this task, which are the things where, again, you know, you might have learned, you know, let's say a hundred things on that new um, sort of learning path, right? A hundred things occur to you as you're learning to draw, as you're learning to sculpt. You open up a 3D software program for the first time. There's a million buttons, right? Which one do I click? How on earth do I make this work? Uh, Again, you're walking down the street and just a hundred things are different. People are wearing different clothes. They look slightly different. The street signs are different. The architecture is different. People are driving on a different side of the road. There's different road rules, different sounds. 
Which ones of those things just tend to be the same? How do you sort them? How do you process them? Are they a threat? Are they not? With drawing, again, it's a similar thing. You're sort of learning how to, you know, control your hand, how to draw circles, how to draw lines, how to control these things. You learn a whole bunch of stuff in that first um, lesson. You learn all the buttons in the program, right? You notice them all. You're trying to figure them all out. The reinforcement is where, again, what you tend to find if you're learning a 3D program like ZBrush or Photoshop for the first time is that you don't actually interact with most of the program most of the time. There tends to be a, a small set of actual interactions and pathways that you tend to go through. And the reinforcement is where you're kind of relearning those, remembering what those are, and your brain is sublimating those pathways and those patterns and those habits into automation to the point where instead of thinking, oh, I need to, I need to make a new layer, right? And, and then you kind of stop and think, Okay, how do I do that? Right, where was it? Oh, it's over here. Click to the point where your brain just goes, I need to make a new layer. And then your hand just moves and clicks the button and nothing really happens beyond the thought of like, oh, I need to make a new layer. And then we progress to, you know, the next level where you're not really even thinking about that at all. You're just like, oh, I need to draw this face. And, uh, you know, you kind of make a new layer and you set a layer mask to it and you click this and you click that and you clip this to that and you run a filter and you do a whole bunch of stuff. And really the only message in your mind is like, I need to adjust this face. I need to draw this face. I need to add a background, right? Whatever it is. And, um, you know, that progresses up the stack until, again, what you're really thinking is like, I need to make this feel more like this or more like that. And then a whole skew and a whole stream of automated actions occur within your mind. And this is the process that I'm sort of suggesting is happening with most physical learning modalities where you're sort of overwhelmed um, physically. So, again, it's important to understand there's different types of learning. And the obvious thing that, you know, hopefully should be obvious, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're pr pretty much sort of garned onto the trick here, is that the new learning takes up a huge amount of energy and the reinforcement learning takes up less energy, right? It's that simple. But it's key to get those two things separated in your mind because they do affect how you manage your energy when you are actually trying to acquire new skills. The next major building block that I think we need to understand you know, how much time you should be spending, where you should be spending it, etc., is the idea that with a physical-based learning modality, you know, more so than I would say most other types of learning if you're doing intellectual things, but probably in general, most of the actual learning occurs when you're sleeping. So it's not the actual doing of it where you're learning. It's the fact that you are creating these new environments, right? You are going to a new country, you're experiencing those new things, you're opening up Photoshop for the first time, you're opening up ZBrush for the first time, you're cracking that, um, you know, sort of packet uh, collection of new watercolors you just bought. Now, you're playing and you're experimenting with those things, you're experiencing and learning how to use that thing for the first time. It's not then when you're using it that you learn. It's when you sleep that your subconscious mind processes that learning. Because again, intellectual knowledge here is not actually the goal. If we think about a physical learning modality, it's not an intellectual understanding of how to shoot a basketball or how to do a particular dance move that helps. It's only when you actually do it. And it's only then only when you actually do it at the right time in the right way 
And then when you do it in the right way at the right time under pressure, and then when you do it in the right way at the right time under pressure while you're thinking about something else, where you have a higher goal. So it's this kind of, again, cascade of how you sort of transition those intellectual new learning experiences into the subconscious mind. And that happens at night. It doesn't happen while you are doing it, which kind of tells you a few things. The the first most obvious thing is that it's not necessarily more learning is going to require, is going to equal more sort of knowledge or more ability. There's probably a cap at which you give your subconscious mind a, a chunk of information to process during the day. And you know, it's then got to sort of process that while you sleep. So, you know, there's there's two things there that, again, are, are interesting. One is, again, you probably don't need that much. Secondly, a really important unit of, a, of, of sort of functionality here is how often you practice, because if sleeping is when you sublimate the information and actually learn, it, it really is about maximizing the amount of times you're giving your subconscious mind that information to process each night, right? So to put it simpler, uh, if you kind of learn, if you do a little bit each day, um, you know, that's going to give you a subconscious mind, a, a pretty, you know, reasonable amount of sort of new learning to process. And that's maybe going to be more efficient than doing a whole chunk of that during the day. Now, if you've ever learned to ride a bike, you can see the same thing occur. Or if you've ever seen um, someone, you know, try and learn to ride a bike, there's typically a point where you're learning, you're getting better, you're feeling good about it. And then there's also a point at which people start to just make more and more mistakes, right? There's probably a point at which you're taking in too much information. If you take the other example of us traveling to a new country, there's a point at which, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get used to it, <laughs> right? Your brain just basically fries out. And it's only when you wake up that you kind of feel refreshed. So it's not that you can you can't really learn these things by just sort of doing more and more of them. The actual learning and adaptation happens in that unit of sleep learning. And what the obvious sort of thing that this affects is that, uh, again, you know, there's probably a limit to amount of information you can, you know, give your subconscious mind to, to learn each day. And it's important to get sleep so that you can actually learn. There's also probably a couple of different layers to that learning process. And again, if we take drawing slash riding a bike as another example, you can see that that initial phase where you're kind of just trying to figure out like how to hold the pencil, what to do. Um, you've probably seen people draw in the same way you've seen people ride a bike. The first bit, the first bit is rough because you can't really even put any of the disparate skills together, right? What happens when you're trying to ride a bike or draw for the first time is you fall over. It doesn't look like anything. You have really nothing to go on. And it's important to understand that these initial phases of learning a software program, et cetera, would be similar. The first time, it's just like you have no idea what to do. You're just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, as we progress, it's more a matter of putting it together and maybe seeing separate skills, right? So it's important to get that very, very first learning experience and understand the preciousness of it and how important it is for you to get and create positive emotions around that very early late stage of learning where nothing's really going to work, right? And you see this with uh, children often, right? You know, if they try, if they see someone riding a bike, they're like, oh, I want to do that. They try and do it, and if they kind of fall over, 
uh, on the very first time, they often won't want to do it for a while, right? It's like, uh, again, depends on the attitude of, of the individual, but that's often a, a good response, right? It's just like, I want no part of this. I tried it. I sucked at it. I'm going to stay away from that, which is a very rational response. Another thing that should be obvious is that micro skills or these sort of subtle modifications or additions to um, your kind of larger skill set are really important. And that's often what we're doing later on. So once you kind of know how to use your software program, right, once you kind of are not overwhelmed by the feeling of being in a new country, once you kind of understand, you know, how to mix the watercolors, how to put them on the paper, um, how to, you know, tape the paper down, it's most of what we're doing, like sort of after that is digging deeper into the subtleties of it. How do I turn around on the bike? How do I turn around smoothly? How do I turn around in a short sort of turning circle? Uh, and again, there's lots of different sort of techniques here, right? Uh, once you're not overwhelmed by being in a new country, it's like, how do I talk to someone? Uh, how do I cross the road? Uh, you know, what are all these other little things? You know, you go into a shop when you're going overseas and, you know, then it's a whole nother world, right? Hey, um, do you line up? Uh, people cut in line. Um, you know, in some countries, people, you know, there's always people waiting tables, right? Someone will always come to your table. In you know other countries, you have to go up to the counter and order. There's a million other little things. And then it's, you know, exactly how do you do that? When do you do that? Um, you know, sometimes people will bring water to your table. Sometimes you got to get it yourself, right? There's a million little things here that come into it when you're talking about drawing as well. You know, there's the there's the basic sort of, okay, how do I draw? But then, you know, there's all these other micro skills, like how do I not smudge the page? How do I build up the drawing? How much pressure do I put on? When do I sharpen my pencil? There's, uh, you know, a multitude of little bits and pieces that you're going to learn. Um, you know, not to mention all of the foundational things, right? Like how do I actually construct? How do I start? What, how do I think about where my light source is coming from? What's the first thing I think about? How do I render that light source? How do I, you know, build it up? Do I start with the lights? Do I start with the darks? Um, you know, how am I going to get the highlights in there? Do I leave them in there from the beginning? Do I get them out with an eraser? What is the process I'm using? How do I put these things together? And again, we finesse and we finesse and we finesse. All those things are also going to be first learning experiences, but it's often a little bit easier to fold them in. But I still think it's really important to separate out the idea of a new learning experience and the idea of reinforcing an old one and appreciate the fact that, you know, when you are learning new things, when you're giving yourself the space to learn a new technique, that it is going to require a lot of energy, uh, mental, like physical, mental energy, um, you know, and it's going to wear you out. Uh, it's going to burn out your energy stores quite quickly. And it's not just that, but there are different elements of the process of creating art that will be more or less taxing on your overall energy. So typically, the initial phase of planning an image, of sort of figuring out, you know, what it's going to be can, um, you know, can be quite taxing because you're really dealing with an infinite number of options. Uh, you know, it's anything could happen. As you progress, uh, it becomes more a matter of refinement. So it's still work. You still need to focus. But, you know, from my experience and what I've sort of seen a lot of people say is that, again, you know, the finishing process is a little bit more relaxed. It's a little bit more calming. It's a little bit more about you being in flow because you kind of know where you're going. It's a matter of executing. 
So, you know, depending on your skill level, that's either going to be mostly just reinforcement learning, right? You're just kind of doing the same things that you've done before. You may be trying to refine a one or two little bits and pieces experiment here and there. Again, I think often our enjoyment with drawing is a matter of doing those little experiments of playing around with doing a little bit of primary learning as you're in the middle of this sort of reinforcement slash, um, you know, just kind of production. So obviously at some point with drawing, and I think this is often where people actually find it's a bit of a drag, you're kind of just repeating the same stuff, right? You're just producing, you're just capitalizing on your skill set, and there is zero new learning going on. And I think that is often where people get you know, a little bit burnt out with the process, right? Not with their energy. They get burnt out with the boredom of doing it because it's there's no interplay between learning and not learning. So it's important to understand that the goal is not always to eliminate this sort of primary high energy expenditure learning where we're just burning through, you know, our reserves uh, like jet fuel. It's that you, you want a good mix of these things and you want to be able to understand where they are. But you also want to understand that, uh, again, you know, sometimes in the day you might just want to turn off your brain, chill out, listen to music, you know, do some drawing. And we'll come back to this a little bit, you know, when I sort of talk about advice. But I think that is a really key point of advice is that a big part of what we need to do is manage this en this energy expenditure. So luckily for us, much has actually been written and researched about the idea of focus, of expending energy. And the idea of focus really is a key element here because our ability to focus is a big part of how we you know, direct our energy. The idea of focus really is a matter of effectively employing our energy reserves in, in a good way. When we're hyper-focused on something, we're putting all our energy, all our emotional, physical energy into one thing. That's the definition of focus. And there's, you know, as I said, there's been quite a few good books written about this that I think, you know, I found actually practically helped me. Um, one of them, you know, is sort of the power and full, uh, the power of full engagement um, by sort of Tony Schwartz, and I forget the um, the other sort of author there. Um, there's a lot of stuff that has been written about habits um, across the years. You know, the, the the latest book that I think a lot of people talk about is Atomic Habits. Um, I haven't sort of read that. Um, I've read a lot of the other sort of books on on habit that have been there before that. And, um, you know, there's the concept of sort of flow um, that's been, um, you know, really, really useful to understand from a, you know, scientific um, sort of artistic standpoint of what's actually happening to the brain when we're drawing and, um, you know, when we're doing these kind of high flow state activities. But uh, again, I can give you the the sort of TLDR, right? The too long didn't read of all of this because it's actually pretty simple. The first thing that is important to understand is multitasking is not good. And I think all of the data supports this. All of the books will say the same thing. Multitasking is something that we're not particularly talented at as humans. Some people are better at it than others, but we all suck at it. And if you want to focus and you want to marshal your energy and employ your energy in the most effective way, which is going to lead to the best learning outcomes, and again, you're feeling good about it, multitasking is not your friend. And what you really want to do is just sort of focus on the thing that you're doing with the least amount of outside of interference possible. The second thing that a lot of these sort of texts and studies and research kind of tends to point at is that we need to learn to focus 
um, for shorter periods of time. So the basic idea here is that you want to focus more on working for sort of one hour periods of time, maybe two hours with a little break in between again, sort of, you know, like 50 minutes and then a 10 minute break, another 50 minutes, 10 minute break. Um, or, you know, there's some other sort of techniques you can use. Uh, the Pomodoro method uh, is the tomato timer type of uh, method. Uh, it's sort of talking more about sort of like a 20 minute, 25 minute break or, or less where basically, you know, you set a timer for 15 minutes and, and then, you know, it sort of goes off and then you sort of take a break, disengage. And a lot of this is just talking to the fact that this is how humans are built, right? This is how we operate best. We operate in um, sort of, you know, up and down rhythms, uh, sort of focus, relax, focus, relax, focus, relax, not just focus, 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 focus. A lot of things in life and the universe seem to operate in sort of these a thermostatic style waves, right? They sort of go up and down, up and down, day and night, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's important to sort of appreciate that that we are we tend to be good at sort of intensely focusing and then relaxing and intensely focusing and relaxing, and that's kind of how your body is built. The third thing to kind of mention here is that this is based on some form of science, and I'm not going to go too hard into the scientific sort of side of it. Um, typically, what I find with a lot of these things is that there's a lot of utility to research that has been done, and often people will do research and will find some utility. Someone will look at that um, and, and really find some useful information there that, that actually has a huge amount of utility. They'll write a book about it, and then someone else comes along and says, oh, you know, that's it. They start to nitpick it and be like, well, this isn't right. So therefore, your whole theory is, is invalid. Um, which is interesting to the forward progress of the scientific sort of truth of it, um, right, refining the hypothesis. Um, I think this has often happened with uh, Malcolm Gladwell's sort of outliers, the 10,000-hour rule, also with Betty Edwards drawing on the right side of the brain. Um, people often rightly point out like, oh, you know, we figured out that's not how the right side of the brain works or whatever. Same here with the idea of the circadian rhythms, the ultradian rhythms that basically point to the fact that our body tends to kind of increase and decrease in our ability to focus, our, our sort of feeling of tiredness um, and our feeling of sort of having energy. And these rhythms sort of progress throughout the day and they're affected by things like sort of hormones, uh, literally what time of day it is because your body is running on a series of hormones based on the sort of solar lunar cycles. And uh, again, most of this is just very, very simple, um, you know, sort of biomechanics, right? Uh, I don't know exactly what the current state of science is on all of this, but with those other books and those other things that have been written, what I'd say is I'd look at the utility of following the advice that people have kind of written um, once they kind of saw and gleaned some truth within that sort of research and science and that I would see the utility of that to you or me or us as artists is far more important to the current state of, you know, how people are um, rationalizing um, these effects through sort of, you know, um, detailed scientific study. The point here is that I think a lot of this stuff does have a good grounding in how the body actually functions. And a lot of it has to do with your sort of hormonal cycles and a lot of the chemicals that occur during the day. 
And this is where, again, you can use amphetamines or drugs. Um, you can use a lot of caffeine. And these things obviously affect your energy level. They affect the sort of natural chemicals that are going on. But those chemicals are actually you know, affected naturally throughout the day. And you're going to have more or less energy at different parts in the day. Now, this is, again, something that exists as a framework where like, oh, look, all humans are kind of like this. But then there's other things that are very personal that overlay on top of that, such as what is your exact, what is your specific chemical makeup? Are you on prescription drugs? Are you taking, um, you know, a lot of sort of caffeine that's going to allow you maybe to focus more than that sort of one hour? Again, these things are specific to no and they're specific to you. And I think uh, you have to look at obviously where you fit within this sort of sea of information. But a lot of these ideas of focus have been thought through very, very rigorously. And again, as I said, the basic uh, TLDR is multitasking is not good. And you really should focus on getting these one hour to two hour periods of focus. And more importantly, make sure you relax because it is the process of focusing intensely and then relaxing completely and focusing intensely and then relaxing completely that will help you to trust the next time you go into a period where you're saying, okay, mind, focus, focus, we got to do this. If your mind knows that you're going to relax and you've trained it to say, okay, it's go time now, but we're only going to go for 15 minutes. We're only going to go for an hour and then we're going to have a proper rest, right? We're actually going to disconnect and not resting as in like going on your phone or playing video games, actually just like going outside, walking around, like really just sort of taking a break. doesn't have to be, you know, hours. I'm just saying like five minutes, but that uh, again, those ideas are very much sort of backed up by a lot of uh, research. And from my experience, again, the utility and the practicality of that advice has played out um, again uh, across multiple people that I've mentored, etc. So again, that's that's what we know about sort of focus and how it relates to you know our body and our physicality and how that works. And I think if you try and cut against that. You might be able to find strategies that work. Um, I, you know, a lot of people are, um, you know, taking amphetamines and stuff like that in university to try and help them focus. Uh, but uh, you know, again, that's just something you have to put into the equation. It's all a matter of figuring out how you can effectively employ your mental and physical energy uh, across time in the most effective way. Let me know in the comments below whether you know, you feel like that's sort of too much or, or too little sort of background information on these things. I think it's important to sort of go a little bit deeper into the why and the how of these things and cover that um, because often people do come up with sort of uh, questions and comments related to that. But let me know what you think of that. A lot of this focus stuff really stems, you know, and, and leads to the conclusion that, you know, from my experience, you kind of don't have 18 hours a day of pure focus where you can sit down and actually grind through something. Certainly not with, uh, you know, anything approaching a natural sort of, uh, you know, hormonal um, chemical balance in your mind. What I've sort of tended to find is that it's more about sort of six hours that you can really heavily focus each day. As an example, when I was, uh, you know, when I was trying to learn things, when I was in, you know, sort of my very, very early 20s, you know, studying, um, getting my first job, etc. And, and really sort of worrying about this, I went through a long period of freelancing. Um, so I've worked at a few places places very early on. And then I had a big period of freelancing and I'd heard all these stories of people working, you know, 12 hours a day, right? A lot of people say, oh, they work 12 hours a day or, you know, hundred hours a week or whatever. 
And that was always sort of viewed to me as like, oh, that's someone who's working really hard. That's someone who's kind of operating at a higher level. And uh, I would sort of feel really bad about myself because I was a freelancer. And from my experience, I just couldn't work for 12 or 14 hours a day or 18 hours a day unless there was a lot of stress. So again, stress is one of these things that's probably going to, you know, function very much like drugs, right? If, if the stress of like not finishing a deadline or not doing something is so much that you kind of can't relax, um, then that's a sign. It's your body sort of physically giving you the, um, the cortisol and the, 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 the stuff, right? The juice to, to wake up, right? You know, you try and go to sleep and your mind's buzzing and it's like, oh, damn, look, I got to do that work. So you get up and you do it, right? Again, without stress, without some of these kind of other effects, um, I think, again, it's, it's about sort of six hours. And I was kind of feeling that. I was like, look, you know, man, if, if I work, you know, eight hours, I, I feel like I'm pretty tired. Um, and a standard work day is like eight hours. So I just always felt like I was lazy. Until I went, you know, after I'd been freelancing for about six or seven years and I'd been doing this and I'd been drawing my own comics and really trying to, you know, and struggling with deadlines, etc. And I, and I went and did a short stint about four months at an animation studio. And I was kind of shocked because I go in there and it's kind of like, okay, we're going in here at nine o'clock and I'm like, right, okay, I've got my, uh, got my sort of big boy pants on, right? I'm, I'm at a studio. I'm not just freelancing, doing this kind of lazy stuff that I've been doing. And I'd sort of go into work and I'd be like, oh, hey, you know, hey, how's it going? And it'd be like, you know, the, the people who own the company are like, hey, Tim, you know, how you going? And they come over to talk to me and I'm like, what are you doing? Right. And they're like, oh, hey, how was your weekend? And I'm just like, what are you doing talking to me? Like, we're at work, right? This is work time. Like, you're paying me to do this. Uh, what are we wasting time for? And then it would be like, oh, yeah, how are you going? Blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, we're going to have like a little meeting. Um, and like, when's the meeting? Oh, the meeting's at 930. I'm like, well, it's 10 past nine now. So what are we doing? And like, oh, I don't know. You know, what have you been doing? And I'm just like, what is going on? I thought these people were, you know, working hard for 12 hours a day, out of eight hours a day. And then it's like, oh, we do a meeting and then we sort of everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go get a coffee in the, you know, the, the coffee lunchroom thing. And I'm like, oh, and then people are talking. And I would sort of imagine it's like, oh, okay, maybe the people who are working are talking, but everyone's talking. Everyone's just chatting. Finally get some work done, right? It's like 1030, um, you know, and then it's 1130 and people are like, ah, oh, so where are you going for lunch? And this thing just keeps rolling on and I'm like, oh my, what is going on, right? People are not actually working eight hours a day because when I was at home, I'd just be like, there's no one to talk to, <laughs> just get to it. And I'd be working six hours a day, eight hours a day. And, uh, you know, I felt I was this sort of schlop, um, you know, not doing nothing. And, uh, you know, what I sort of found is like, look, these people are probably doing three or four hours max, max of like the type of work that I was used to doing. Um, the rest of it was talking, meetings, um, talking about talking, chatting, talking about what you did on the weekend, what you're going to do the next weekend, where you're going to get lunch, what you're going to do tonight, um, you know, and people kind of shutting down their computers, you know, a little bit before. And there was a lot of this, right? And I was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. When people say working, they're not really working. They're just at work, 
it's so hard to know what someone means by, oh, I work 100 hours a week. Oh, you know, I'm working, I'm drawing 18 hours a day. What do you actually mean? So a lot of this is about understanding how the body actually learns. And uh, again, you know, the TLDR there is just that a little bit each day is good. You don't want to redline your body. You don't want to push things too far. And from a psychology perspective, even if you like crushing it, even if you have that feeling, um, you need to think about crushing it as this is a marathon. It's a long-term game. And maybe you can push a little bit farther, further if you feel you like that kind of burnout feeling a bit. You're a sadomasochist. You kind of like that. Fine, do it a bit. But if you do it too much, I think what people find is, uh, again, you know, you do actually burn out. And then, you know, people will run into all sorts of troubles. Might not happen this month or this week or this day or this year. But, you know, people do tend to burn out if they have that attitude of just like going, 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 going. Again, I've seen it, right? I'm just sort of sharing with you what I've seen, right? Uh, again, looking at a whole bunch of different people, um, you know, hundreds of students going through university each year. Uh, people tend to burn out, right? <laughs> Eventually. Uh, after five years, people are like, oh my God, where am I? Who am I? What's going on? So I think positivity uh, a little bit at a time, focusing on the thing that actually is going to you know, make you learn, which is sleeping, is going to be the most effective way to marshal your energy over the long haul. It's really important to understand here that there is a difference between your subconscious will to do something and your sort of conscious will to do something. So often when you're pushing through, we're using our conscious faculties to kind of, you know, push through. Um, but there is a subconscious level of a desire to do something where you just kind of feel compelled. You are addicted. It is habitual. You just have a positive reinforcement with it. This can be good or bad, right? It can be like, I, I really have a positive reinforcement with sitting down on a couch, watching a movie and eating a whole packet of biscuits, right? It's like you just have a positive, um, you know, feeling for that happening and you just kind of want to do it. And there is just this pull and there's obviously the mental side of it. I think where, where you might be saying, look, I know that's not a bad thing, but the mental side is fighting the other thing. And I think this is, again, where you might have, if you're burning out and burning out and burning out, you're sitting down to draw, you're drawing till your fingers bleed, you're sort of crushing it like, yeah. There's a point at which what happens is your subconscious body is just saying, no, no, hey, no. And, and it'll start softly, but eventually it's screaming at you. And uh, it's important to understand the difference. Just because you can will through it doesn't mean your subconscious physiology, your entire you know mental um, sort of nervous system is going to support you over the long term, right? This is often, you know, people have nervous breakdowns, they kind of crack it, right? So what you want to do is build that subconscious habit, that subconscious feeling of like, yes, I do want to sit down and learn to do the thing that I'm doing. And if you have that behind you, it's like having uh, you know, a tailwind, right? It's sort of like you're going downhill. You kind of sit around and you kind of say, oh, what should I do? Oh, that's right. I should go sit down at that table and do my thing because I just kind of feel like that'll be good. And I know once I've done that for an hour or two hours, I'll be able to relax and I'll feel really good. Why? Because I've done that a hundred times, a thousand times, 10,000 times before. 
And this is where the power of those positive habits really helps you and the power of organizing your life and respecting the fact that you are a meat sack uh, based on a lot of mammalian and reptilian sort of urges that if you train those things to do the things that you want and you're aligned subconsciously and consciously, that things just kind of tend to work out. Or certainly that's been my experience. It's also worth understanding and appreciating that even if you begin by maybe not having as much ability to focus and marshal your energy, even for an hour or two hours, that the the unit of work here that's actually happening is that you are training your brain and your subconscious mind to want to do something. And there's also a matter of like you learning to, you know, sit down and focus for a short period of time where that's going to be a new skill unto itself. So over time, if you employ these sort of methodologies of appreciating your ultradian rhythm, the fact that, again, you want to sit down for an hour to two hours, you want to take breaks, you want to make sure you do take a break, you don't burn out. If you do this over time, you might find that you actually get a little bit more runway, right? If you really practice it, if you're you know, in a good rhythm with this, you might find like, hey, you can sit down for three hours, for four hours and really sort of learn some new things. But this will only happen once your subconscious mind trusts that this is a process that they're going to be able to enjoy. And what you want is a good baseline for, hey, no, you will get a break. Yes, you can relax. Yes, it's worth focusing. Um, you know, no, we're not going to burn out, right? It's okay to put this energy in here. Um, a lot of that is, again, going to be a, a system which reinforces itself. And if you create a baseline of understanding with your body essentially that again it's okay to focus here because we're going to take a break um it'll trust you and you know when you do need to do another one right it'll trust you and it's i think it's it sounds weird but it's a good metaphor to use is like your sort of subconscious mind your body your energy system trusting your conscious mind saying like hey man let's go do this um you know your body has to trust that it's going to get a break otherwise it won't give you the full focus. It won't give you the full energy. It's going to sit there and say, oh, I've been here before. Yeah, yeah, I know you say it's just one hour, but actually what happens is we end up grinding and then we start watching YouTube and listening to music and doing a whole bunch of other stuff at the same time. And then I just get fried and, uh, you know, my hormonal system goes out and uh, it ends up as a giant mess. And then you sort of, you know, uh, and then you like smash me with a bunch of caffeine and your body's just kind of like, no, I don't trust you, right? I don't trust that this is actually what we're going to do. Um, and then again, that, maybe that's a little bit sort of stretching the metaphor, but but hopefully I, I feel like that's a really good way to sort of understand it if you're a bit on the fence of this. And the more trust you build up, the more your sort of focus system is going to give you that focus and give it to you in an unbroken manner. Uh, from my experience anyway. So the more you do this, the more time you're likely to get. And in the beginning, focus on the metric and the functional unit of like working and focusing for a short period of time, taking a break, letting your body trust that you are going to take a break and then coming back and doing it again. If you reinforce that, it's going to create a great positive reinforcement in general. Okay, so in terms of planning your day or how to actually answer this question of how much do you time do you spend, I think we have to just consider the fact that probably over the day you're going to spend 
you know, maybe eight hours, maybe 12 hours, maybe 18 hours, but that you're not always going to be able to focus intensely for that amount of time. A lot of it depends what you're doing, i.e., do you need to do this because it's a deadline? Is there stress involved? Can you actually push yourself? In the past, when you had had a deadline, have you relaxed afterwards? Does your body trust you? The key here, I think, is to separate the different types of work. So we talked about learning versus reinforcement learning, but let's also sort of separate the idea of super new learning, right? The concept of this being something that's really fresh. This is where you step off the plane into a new country. Everything's new. It's just a massive sort of violent impact of newness. Um, I think that is a special thing that we need to appreciate, that when you do that, you're going to need to work that into your day and be very respectful of the amount of energy that that takes up. The other type of activity is, you know, potentially where you are still learning, but it is more of that reinforcement learning. It's where you are actually just kind of chilling out a little bit more. And I think this is, uh, again, you know, this is where you've been in the country for three months and you're just sort of experimenting. You're learning to speak the language. Um, and, you know, you're certainly learning new things every day, but, you know, you're not under stress. You're not under pressure. This is where, you know, you've learned to ride a bike and it's a matter of like, look, can you do can you do a little jump, right? Can you do something tricky? Uh, can you stop really fast? Um, all these other skills where you're not necessarily worried about the basics, but you're still learning, you're still progressing. I think this is often actually where we want to be and, you know, certainly separate that from the idea of just production, right? Where almost you can do this with your eyes closed. This is similar to, you know, driving to work and forgetting that you drove there, right? You just, it all just kind of took care of itself, right? You just sort of go out the door, lock the door and then, oh, all of a sudden you're somewhere and you're like, what happened? So there's that type of just completely automated production, right? You've rendered something, you've been working for 20 years as an illustrator and, you know, you've sort of drawing some um, dragon illustration, got this cool dragon, you figured out where it's going to be, where the composition is, you figured out all the perspective, you've done all the construction drawing, and now you just got to render a million friggin' scales, right? Once you've done that a few times, you're like, okay, I'm just kind of sort of turn my brain off, um, you know, listen to some music. You might even watch a movie, right? Because you're just doing, you're just kind of repeating the same thing. You're still learning, but it's so sublimated. It's so on a subconscious level that it really doesn't matter in the same way. I think there's two other important modalities or, or ways that you're going to approach the time and energy that you're spending doing art. One is where the result is critical. And one is where the result is not critical and you're just playing around. So there are going to be times where either you are producing artwork because maybe, again, you're trying to create something that's a new folio piece, or you're really going to try and employ and put together all the pieces that you've learned, right? And make a single piece that is like the best thing you've ever made and it's really important to you. That's going to burn more focus. That's going to burn more energy versus like, hey, you know, I'm just sort of sitting at a coffee shop and I'm just sketching. And what am I sketching? Anything. Doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm just having fun. I'm just drawing. I'm just responding to what's going on. Oh, I need to stop right now. That's cool. Just close my sketchbook. Off I go. Similar idea to, again, the, the concept of new learning or um, sort of reinforcement learning, but just appreciate throughout your day that you can spend as much time as you really want drawing. The key thing is how much energy and focus does it require for you to do that? 
and do you have that energy? One of the things that I've personally done and I've had a lot of success with um, that has sort of made me more productive or more able to get more done in a day is to really try and plan out my day and have a sense for which of the tasks that I'm going to do during the day are going to burn a lot of energy. So typically for me, um, you know, if that's a, that's sort of like recording a podcast or a YouTube video, that tends to require a lot of energy. I have tried recording stuff at 2 a.m. after I've had a full day and I tend to kind of just slur my words and uh, my mind is not focused. I can kind of do it, but you can tell and I can tell that I'm not fully engaged, right? The focus is not there. I might want to be, but Again, what tends to happen is I really need to stress my body. I need to put heaps of focus into doing it, right? It's like, you know, uh, it's 2 a.m. Like, oh, I got to record a YouTube video or something. And again, I haven't done this for, I tried doing this once or twice and they basically never saw the light of day because I was just like, oh, that didn't work. Um, but, you know, that's where, you know, you're like, okay, let's get a, an espresso, right? You know, like uh, have a cold shower, right? Slap your face and be like, okay, I'm going to do it, right? We're going to do it. Now, you can do that, but it requires exponentially more energy to psych yourself up and overcome tiredness. And this is where I think you really face burnout if you try that. So, you know, what I try and do is say, okay, these things that I know tend to burn a lot of energy. And certainly when I was, you know, in the beginning when I was recording videos, it took a lot more energy. And so I, you know, do that early in the day. And then I'd find out not just that, but when do I really find that I'm wanting to do that and it works? Um, and then I'd have things like sort of storyboarding, for instance, if I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm sort of working on comics. And what I tend to find is the storyboarding is where, you know, I can't watch anything. I can't listen to any music when I'm storyboarding. I've just got to be 100% focused and it burns a huge amount of energy. Um, so what I'll tend to do is try and organize my day or my week or my schedule where I avoid having to storyboard all day. So I might make sure that like, okay, look, I know I have to have the storyboard done by X date. Right now I'm drawing these pages. Ideally, what I would do is I'd spend, you know, the first two or three hours of the day storyboarding, and then I'd spend the rest of the day doing something really mundane, very much on the production level. Something like coloring comic book pages that I've already done or inking sort of during final lines on comic book pages because that's stuff where I can, you know, kind of just chill out and do it um, without thinking too much. And again, that's a way of managing that time. Uh, it's also, if you've ever tried to email me, you know, I, I don't often reply to emails. It's mostly just because I'm so sort of busy doing stuff. Um, but it's also because, uh, again, that's quite sort of, it's writing. It's very different to what I'm used to used to doing. So I've spent so much time drawing that a lot of the drawing doesn't actually take up much energy. It's very much like the, you know, going to work and driving and not really remembering how you got there or the journey. Um, if you do these things for a long enough, if I've been drawing these things for 20 years, uh, you know, I, I can do it with very low stress. So it's very easy for me to draw, you know, finished pages, you know, um, as long as there's no decisions, if the storyboard's done, I can do those, uh, at, you know, two in the morning. It's fine. Like it's like whatever, right? It's fun. I love doing that because I can just sit down chill out. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to stress me. I've done this so many times. Um, and so that is production, right? Uh, but then I might need to learn a new program. Um, and again, for art, there's not many new programs I need to learn for art. But again, for doing this YouTube channel, I might need to learn some software or figure something out. 
And what I tend to find is, again, the experience of me doing that, how much energy I have to put into that is so vastly different to me just sitting down drawing comics. But I remember the first time I sat down to draw comics, it just was a complete burn, right? Every, you know, every waking hour of doing that was just a huge mental, physical imposition. And I really had to, you know, manage my energy there um, to quite a hard, to quite a high degree. So all of this really is a matter of understanding your day, your specific point in life, exactly what you're doing, and just being very judicious in the way you manage and allocate these tasks throughout the day. I think if you do that, what you'll find is, yeah, you can spend 12 hours a day drawing. You can spend 20 hours a day drawing if you really need to. Again, I don't do anything like that, but I typically spend most of my time drawing or working or doing something like this, um, recording podcasts, right? That's what I sort of like to do. And what I find the thing that will allow me to you know, get more done in a day or learn more or get better at things is, again, just allocating the areas of focus where I know I'm going to need to really pay attention when I'm learning something new or it's really critical. Uh, I just do those at a time of the day when I know that my body is going to easily be out of focus. Now, for me, again, that's in the morning, but it could be at the night for you. It really doesn't matter. It depends what sort of task you're doing. Does it require a lot of cognitive um, uh, sort of effort? Again, what you tend to find is your subconscious, your, your, your neocortex is going to turn off a little bit towards the end of the day. Um, it's, it can be a lot more easy for people to be creative um, at night because they're, you know, um, sort of the, the human brain is sort of tired. Um, again, there's a million factors. You really have to pay attention to who you are um, and listen to your body here. Pay very, very close attention to when you feel energetic, when you don't, when you're tired. And instead of saying, oh, man, I'm tired now. That means I'm weak and I'm never going to be a good artist. Just appreciate that that's what your body's telling you, right? And you have other times where, again, you know, you really feel like doing something and maybe you've organized your day so that that energy Energy is kind of uh, when you're sort of forced to do some main mundane task and just rearrange your day so that you are managing your energy plus your task flow. You're lining those things up. This sounds like a really simple concept, but I found it is so, so powerful to feeling like you're getting a lot done in the day and actually producing a lot of stuff, right? Like getting a lot of stuff done. Um, and I found this has actually allowed me to, you know, improve my productivity to pretty, pretty significant levels. This is all stuff that I wish I knew when I was 20, when I was learning um, back uh, doing advertising graphic design, when I was struggling to draw comics to get professional gigs for the first time, because I didn't know any of this and I completely sucked at it and I burn out and I did tons of sort of deadline crash things. And, and I, I basically did half of these things wrong. But I think that was all part of the learning process and uh, hopefully this kind of information can help you to, to master this uh, yourself. But again, appreciate it'll take a little while. Um, you don't need to rush any of these things. Once you kind of get these dialed in, um, again, it's like having a bit of a tailwind. It's like sort of going downhill. It makes everything a bit easier. So it's worth dialing it in. It's worth putting the effort in. Don't expect this to kind of magically work in a day, a week, right? It can take years for you to really figure out who you are, when you have energy, and then it'll change, right? Depending on your life, uh, your stage of life, um, you know, whether you're single, whether you have, uh, uh, you know, a special partner, someone, whether you have uh, children, right? Whether you're young, whether you're old, um, you know, I had a lot more energy when I was uh, 17 than I do now. 
Um, and, you know, that's fine. It's a matter of marshalling the energy well, right? I'm certainly way, way, way more productive now than I was when I was 17, um, you know, by a factor of five, 10. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not because I have more energy. It's because I'm better at marshalling the energy, right? And again, obviously, I have, uh, you know, been able to sublimate a lot of those skills so that I can spend a large portion of the day kind of doing things that aren't going to stress my sort of nervous system, essentially. So what I want to do lastly, again, is approach this as uh, I think is sort of really fun to do from a few different angles so we can get some takeaway advice and look at what does all of this mean? So again, if you've kind of been like sort of following and you're kind of sitting here going, like, okay, but what do I do? Let's answer these questions from a few different perspectives. How do you actually get more done? Should you spend 18 hours a day drawing? Do you draw till your fingers bleed? Do you need to relax, etc. What is the actual answer? Firstly, let's look at the analytical, scientific way that this will work, right? The, the intellectual side of this. So the science, right, tells us that it's much better for us to focus in sort of one hour blocks. Could be, you know, two hour blocks, could be half an hour blocks. But the idea of sort of matching our ultradian, our circadian rhythm, and, you know, focusing is sort of really important, right? If you understand that concept intellectually, it's going to help you greatly. The second thing that the analytical side of it will tell us is that multitasking is bad. Try not to do other stuff while you're doing it. What I often say to um, students is that you're better off, right? Because often people will come to me and be like, I don't know what happened. I just sort of spent, you know, it's often when people have holidays. Um, they're like, oh man, I'm going to get so much done. I'm, I'm so sick of having all these assignments. I'm going to have, I'm going to work on my art. And then, you know, you sort of see them next next uh, term or semester and you'd be like, oh, how did that go? And they're like, I don't know what happened, man. I just sort of spent, you know, the whole time playing video games and I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think uh, what I often say is like you're better off practicing and training and building space for your work. And what you'll find is if you really focus for like one hour, right, if you're sitting there being like, oh, man, I can't get any of this off the ground, right? I just sort of end up playing video games all day. So, okay, first thing you do is just build the space. So just try and spend one hour, right, really focusing, nothing else, no YouTube, no movies, no music, no nothing. Put earplugs in and just work for an hour and then spend the rest of your day playing video games and feel good because, hey, you did your work and just build up. You know, um, after you do that for a week, try two hours, right? Doing 50 minutes, take a 10 minute break, right? Do an hour um, and this is focus, right? Earplugs in, like sensory deprivation if you need it, right? Like really focus. Um, you know, a good solution here again is like, um, if you're struggling with this, you just like you don't even need to do anything. Just sit there and, and don't deal with distraction for for which can be tricky for people. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying like this is the task, right? Uh, you don't even have to do work the whole time. Just sit there and like train your brain that we're going to sit here. We're going to focus. We're not going to do anything else. And then you can play video games or watch movies or do whatever you want for the rest of the day, right? It'll train your brain to kind of say, look, we're on and then we're off. And what you'll find is that if you're struggling with the idea of multitasking, that you, you'll feel so much better about yourself if you can, uh, you know, freely sit there and play video games for 10 hours a day and then work really hard for two hours a day. 
uh, and that's what you're planning to do. So a big part of this is doing what you plan to do, trusting yourself, um, building trust and con- congruency within your own mental, physical self. And uh, I think what you'll find is, again, you'll, in- you'll enjoy playing video games more for 10 hours a day because you feel like, hey, I've done what I said I was going to do art-wise. And over the week, you'll probably get more done than if you're struggling with this and going up or down or maybe like, uh, again, you know, if you just think about it, um, two hours a day, we're doing five, five days a week. That's 10 hours, right? You know, I think often, you know, what happens is people grind away, they burn away for, you know, six hours doing this and that. They don't actually get that much done. Um, You know, then they freak out and then you flip out and then it doesn't work. And then you go play, you go into a doom spiral and you play video games for like three days straight and you feel terrible. Um, At the end of five days, like you've gotten maybe three or four hours of actual work done. Maybe you sat down for 12 or 15, um, but half of that was distracted. You weren't really paying attention. Um, I think what you find over the long term, over the, the, the long game, if you just kind of sit down and focus on just focusing and you train your body to do that without multitasking, and that can be a skill. As I said, sometimes I, I have scheduled time where it's like, hey, I'm just going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to do stuff and I'm going to do some inking or coloring. I'll do that for four or five hours in, in a day. You know, um, Again, it's all a matter of you having these different skills you can employ. But if you're if you're lacking the skill of focus, of not multitasking and doing a whole bunch of stuff, um, I think the best solution is just start really small, right? Have lower expectations and appreciate that you're learning and you're getting better at this because this will take time. The last sort of thing I'd see from an intellectual analytical point of view is that habit and rhythm um, will sort out a lot of these issues, right? One of the things that we know from a lot of these studies is that, again, habits can be good or bad. And it's pretty well established that you can build pretty much anything into a habit even if it's good for you or bad for you. We just tend to do the things that we do. So just focus on that, building the habit, getting it happening. And in the end, a lot of these things will kind of work in, they'll sort of work out, um, certainly in my experience anyway. The other thing is that positive experiences lead to positive feedback loops, right? We sort of know this from, you know, Pavlovian response, right? It's a classic sort of scientific construct, right? Um, you know, if you kind of make sitting down to do your art a positive thing, you want to do it more. And, you know, your subconscious mind will want to do it more. So again, that's sort of the intellectual takeaway here. All right. Sometimes the intellectual analytical side can be a bit much. I like to really think about what is the simple takeaway here. And for me, it's don't burn too hot. Don't redline your body. Quit while you're ahead and keep the good vibes flowing. Let's also look at this from uh, what can you do right now? So if you're sort of thinking like, oh, that's cool. Yep. Uh, you know, shut up. You've said enough. How do how do I actually do something? Um, I think there's a number of things that are really sort of obvious to do. The first is to make sure you educate and understand the concepts of sort of focus, um, flow and habit. How do these theories actually play into your world? And I think, again, The Power of Full Engagement is a great book. I think uh, a lot of the books that have been written on flow are really good to understand what's happening in your mind. And I think, uh, again, you know, any of the books on habits or building habits uh, are really useful to look into. What I'd recommend is just 
find the authors that you kind of resonate with who are talking about this. Um, from my experience, again, I've read a lot of these books that were you know written 20 years before I was born, and many people are saying exactly the same things, right? 60 years later, it's exactly the same thing. So it's mostly a matter of finding someone who's talking to this, um, and they're speaking your language, right? But again, research and educate yourself on how these things function because it gives you a little bit more confidence when it comes to dealing with these ideas of focus and those people might go into more detail and help you understand it um, your way a little bit better. Other things that you can do, uh, you know, straight away, really try and implement the idea of following your ultradian rhythm. This is just a matter of taking breaks and working within one hour or two hour blocks. Um, again, if you're doing a two hour block, again, take a five minute break in the middle. Make sure that you relax, that you take into account the idea that this is meant for you to practice focusing, focusing, and then relaxing focusing and then relaxing. The relaxing is just as important as the focus, right? And it's so hard because often what happens is we're in flow. We're doing stuff and you're like, oh man, like the timer went off. I just want to keep going. Don't keep going. In the first instance, what you're trying to do is train your body to respect the fact that it's going to get a break. That's the only way it's going to give you full focus. Once you've been doing this for ages, you you can burn a little bit more, right? You you have that knowledge that like, okay, that was just one time, right? I, I kept going and I didn't take a break one time, but for the last 5,000 times we took a break, so it's okay. If every here and there you're just doing random things, your subconscious mind is not going to trust that it can give you the full engagement, right? Your body is not going to give you full focus. So again, just keep that in mind. In the beginning, take the breaks. It will feel really sort of sucky to take a break when everything's going well. But trust me, I think over the long term, what I've seen with people is is it does build a, a really good experience and also a good ability for you to just drop it, right? And come back again. Um, and again, that's also another skill that really sort of helps with productivity. All right. Lastly, I think it's really good to think about the philosophical, spiritual aspects of the idea of focus. I think that focusing and learning to focus and relax brings us back to a natural state. It brings us back into harmonic alignment with who we are, which is, again, a weird, uh, you know, um, animal that is a mix of a whole bunch of different evolutionary um, things that worked and things that didn't work. And we are complicated, but you have to appreciate this. We have to get back to the fact that we are running on these circadian or tradian rhythms. We are very much influenced by our hormones. We do have this conscious mind that can kind of direct and tell us, but a lot of these things are happening under the hood. And I think appreciating the artistic craft way that we can actually become closer to who we truly are as this strange mix of kind of animal, human, um, you know, with this sort of complexity of existence, this consciousness, it can be very relaxing to get back to this state where we are sort of turning off a lot of those sort of neocortex, um, you know, frontal cortex, you know, the chattering and just get into flow, get into state and train ourselves to do that. And what you find again is once you get to the point where you have the ability to just sit down and just draw and there's nothing else, you don't have the distractions. It is quite a meditative um, sort of a contemplating uh, state. It's a cathartic existence to just sit there and draw. We're very much in tune with who we are as humans, right? And you can think and you can actually use that space to kind of 
contemplate a lot of things. It can be really useful. It's actually a very, very good active form of relaxation, an active form of meditation. And something else that I think is really important to mention just as a last element to spirituality here is that if you build a lot of positive emotion and positive habit and almost an addiction to sitting down to learn and do this and your body does appreciate that it's going to relax, it actually allows you to push through adversity. As I said, one of the things that will allow you to redline your body when you need, you know, you're on deadline, you need for some reason to do this thing, it's really important. You need to focus all day. You need to push through a massive amount of adversity. You need this grit and determination. I think having a background and a history of appreciating and respecting your focus will actually allow your body to trust and to give you that energy when you need it and say, look, yep, okay, let's go, right? Um, Giddy up, we're going to go get it. And uh, you do that and you'll actually get that energy and you can burn all night, you can draw for 24 hours, 48 hours, and you know, hopefully your body will be able to give you that energy. So I think positivity and focusing on that is actually something that will allow you to overcome a lot of adversity and deal with a lot of potentially negative things that might come at you and stop you from drawing. So it's not just a matter of like, oh, you know, happy thoughts, right? You know, um, think positive. It's that I think having this approach and this uh, history and habit and ritual with your art will actually allow you to overcome and embrace um, a lot of challenge and adversity in your life, especially as it relates to our drawing challenges and our challenges with learning and all the stuff that will come up and get in the way. So again, positivity is a really good way to overcome adversity. All right, so that's all I've got for this episode on focus and speed and how these things relate to getting good. Hopefully I've answered this question or at least given you a few avenues of exploration to follow when it comes to you know whether you should spend all day drawing or not. For me, again, the real sort of thing that I do is I do spend most of the time drawing, right? When, when I have spare time, that's what I'm doing. I'm creating things, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be drawing, but I'm engaged in this creative practice where I'm thinking about what I'm going to draw, thinking about stories, um, I'm writing down notes, um, I'm recording these sort of videos, uh, I'm making courses, uh, I'm drawing my comic, I'm you know, talking to people about doing work. It's pretty much all I do. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time doing it, but it never feels like for me that, oh, I'm grinding away, you know, I'm doing this forever, right? Um, it always feels like I just want more time to do it. Um, I, you know, if I had more time, that'd be great. You know, I'd be able to get so much more done. And I think a lot of that is a matter of not just, you know, doing art, which is a really good career and spending time doing this. So I do have a career that I enjoy, but it's also being able to manage that energy, right? So that, uh, again, when I am doing the things, I'm kind of aligned with, uh, you know, what I want to do. And one of the things I said that I uh, that I've said that I found really, really useful here is, again, just making sure I spend a lot of time recalibrating my day and paying very close attention to like, did I have enough energy to do that last time? Maybe I should. Uh, I shouldn't try and do you know, a whole comic episode storyboard in one day. Um, you know, look, I did it. It was okay. I used up this energy, but it really kind of took me out. I noticed the next day I wasn't as productive, and that means in the entire month I'm probably less productive. I'm not as efficient as I could be. So. I found all of these ideas and things really helped me. And I feel like, you know, if, if I knew them when I was a lot younger and I really had control of it, or even if I just sort of actually did them, a lot of these things I knew, but I didn't actually do. I feel like if I did them, I'd be a much better artist now. I would be a lot further along. 
I would be able to create more of the art that I want. I feel like I'd probably be more financially successful. So I think that these things are really key. It's a matter of you just employing them and figuring out how they specifically relate to you because it's not a matter of one size fits all. It's a matter of you maximizing your energy and productivity and creativity and trying to produce as much stuff as you feel comfortable with to be able to realize your dreams and aspirations as an artist. So hopefully this has helped you along that journey. Um, other than that, we will catch you around on the next one. Uh, happy drawing, happy creating.